Hello, this is Scott Gordon. Hi, I'm Paul Holmgren. Hey, this is the biggest suitcase to ever play the game, Mike McKenna. This is Dale Weiss. Hey, this is Riley Cote. Hi, this is Bob Clark. You're listening to... And you're listening to... You're listening to... And you're listening to... You're listening to... You're listening to... Snow the Goalie. The Snow the Goalie. 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 Hi, my name is Ali Vigneault, coach of the Flyers. You're listening to Snow the Goalie. That is the sound of Snow the Goalie here on 610 ESPN Philadelphia. No, that's the sound of the Red Hot Chili Peppers. No, the Red Hot Chili Peppers <laughs> are the lead track on the only Philadelphia Flyers show on Philadelphia radio right here on 610 ESPN Philadelphia. I'm Russ Joy. That's Anthony Sanfilippo. You can follow us over on Twitter if you want to keep the conversation going there at Joy on Broad at Ant San Philly. Anthony, we've got a, a jam-packed show, including tonight, an interview with one Joel Farabee. That's right. It doesn't get much better than a 19-year-old kid who starts off as a third-line winger and somehow, well, I could tell you how, and we'll talk about how, finds himself on the top line with the team's captain. Well, you want to call it the top line, I'll, I'll say it's the second line, but that's all right. Why, second, why, why we'll, pick nits? We'll call it, we'll call it pick, pick nits instead of nick pick? What? Why pick nits? I don't like that. If you're nitpicking... Yeah, I get it. I don't like it. Then you're picking nits. I don't like it. A- am I wrong, Ryan? Right? Okay. All right. Yeah. I don't... I don't, I don't Educate like him. We're already off to no, this. No, you're not wrong. Russ is always wrong. <laughs> and with that, we're going to go to break now. No. <laughs> uh, so we've got Joel Farabee coming up on the show later. So if you have questions, of course, you're free to call in and uh, pass along word of how you feel about Joel Farabee, 888-728-9941. Again, that's 888-728-9941. Or tweet at us. Maybe you're sitting at work and you're not allowed to listen in or to call in. Again, at Ant San Philly, at Joy Broad. All right, Anthony, we've got plenty of games to recap here, and it's going to be a jam-packed week for the Flyers this week. We have two games at home, Tuesday and Thursday night. But let's talk about what happened over the weekend, including the game in which young Joel Farabee scored his first goal, Tied the game with eight and a half minutes left in the third period. They end up going into a shootout. And then, of course, we got to reflect on a Saturday night. Well, game. So, Friday, so Friday night against the Devils. I mean, one of the things that we had heard about Farabee uh, was that he had an ability to just come up clutch, right? I mean, all through uh, his time with the uh, U.S. national team at Boston University, even that the handful of games he played with the Lehigh Valley Phantoms, you kind of got the sense that like he had that it factor when the when the chips are down, that he's a kind of guy who rises to the occasion. He's not a guy who shies away from the spotlight. Um, and so in order to see him get his first goal uh, uh, of, in the NHL, you know what better situation for it to be than the Flyers to be down a goal late in the third period? Not late, late, but you know, eight minutes to go in the in the game, uh, and they were down a goal, and he scores a really nice goal to tie the game, and then the Flyers eventually win it in a shootout. Um, so it, it's really nice to see that you know he comes right in, and in the short time that he's been with the big club, proves that he belongs at this level. I mean, there's a lot of times you get a teenage player who comes into the NHL and just is. It's total deer in the headlights, right? And with Joel Farabee, you don't see that. Like we we look at Joel Farabee, 
on the ice and you say, there's a guy who's got a chance to do something. Like that, no, at no point am I sitting there going, "Oh man, does he look out of place?" I, I and that's a, that's huge. Well, especially when you compare it to, it's not like the team didn't have any young players on the roster to start on opening night. You know, yep. the team had Connor Bunneman, they had Carson Twerinski, who's since come back up. Bunneman really never looked like he could adapt to the speed of the game, and and he was a guy that you know uh, we talked about in the past. But assistant GM Brent Flair was was pretty high on. Um, Torinsky, I, th- I think, has been up and down in his time, but he hasn't really wowed anyone. He just had a you know two solid camps in a row. Brings good energy, but he, he's not going to blow you away. Farabee not only has been getting plenty of shots on net, which is a, a thing that I broke down on the site this afternoon, but the productivity that he's creating and the high danger chances that he's creating are something that uh, he's he's right now he's third on the team in high danger chances created on the power play, and he's barely played the power play. I think he's played eight and a half minutes in seven games of power play time. He's a dangerous player. And it's it's not a situation where he's hesitant to put shots on net. And that's that's another big thing for a young player. A lot of guys come up and they're and they're deferential because they they're almost a, afraid of either being caught off guard or or not being able to get it on net. You start to worry about shooting them high and wide time and time again and then you get in your own head. Some guys like to just pass off to the players who are more well established, but it hasn't been a thing with Farabee, and that's been nice to see. Well, it's going to be interesting when we get when we have him on. I, you know, I wanted to ask him this. I, he's the kind of guy who always wants to be better than where he is, right? So if he starts on the third line, he's the kind of guy who wants to go up to the second line and go up to the first line. He wants to play, you know, top power play, which he's already doing, by the way. Which is awesome. Okay, he's on the top unit ahead of Couturier, ahead of. Um, uh, uh, Kevin Hayes, um, ahead of Konechny, really. I mean, he's he's on that top unit. And it, you know, it surprises me a little bit, Russ, to, to be honest with you. Not, not to say that he doesn't belong there, but that you throw a 19-year-old player on the top unit. I, I have a feeling the Flyers think that th- that this guy is more than just going to be a good player. They, they, they think he's going to be special because – you don't just do this with a teenage hockey player at the NHL level. The only real teenage player to, to come up and make a significant impact right off the start was with the Flyers. Yeah, Lindros. No, I, I would I'd go a little bit more recent. A guy who maybe didn't didn't bring the scoring acumen, but a guy who did make an impact and a guy who made the team as a teenager and never relinquished that spot. Sean Couturier. Oh well, yeah, okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. And, Fair enough. And I think if. If what you're looking at out of Joel Farabee, I'm not saying, I mean, Couturier is in in another category by himself, right? Because he is the best two-way player on the team. Yeah. He's top three in the league as a two-way player. I'm not saying that that's the kind of game that Farabee plays. But if he's able to establish himself and not relinquish this spot on the roster, and Elaine Vigneault has shown as much confidence in him and as much faith in him as you mentioned, it only says good things about this kid's career. And, And I think if you're a Flyers fan... There are a couple reasons that you maybe hang your hat on on feeling better about this organization right now. One of them is that AV has not been hesitant to have younger guys up on this team. Herman Rubsab is is up now. Um, we said Torinsky was up. Bunneman has been up. But I think even more so, one of the things that you have to like is that the reason that Farabee got called up, or one of the reasons, was he was riding a three-game goal scoring streak in Lehigh Valley. He had four points. That was good enough. Uh, the three goals that he had were 
the uh, he was tied. No, he was on on his own as the AHL rookie leader in goals scored to that point, four points in four games. He was playing at, at a level that I think the the coaching staff and probably Chuck Fletcher needed to see before bringing him back up. And we talked about this in the past, but sometimes a guy doesn't make the opening night roster and he sulks, and it takes him a few weeks to get out of it. Sometimes it takes a guy a couple of months to get out of it to get over that initial disappointment. And what you ended up seeing from Farabee is a guy who went down and wanted to, you know, to your point about showing that he can be better and continue to get better. This is a guy who went down, took it as a challenge and excelled. And now I don't think at any point he has looked like he doesn't belong on on NHL ice. So I, I think it's a nice thing. And I think if you're a fan, you don't have to worry that the team is looking to get, you know, aging, aging vets or or journeyman on this team to fill these roles, they are willing to have young guys come up if they earn that time, and he's done so. Yeah, he has absolutely, and you know it's 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 a it's a good thing, man. It really is. Uh, you know, I, I was a little surprised when they sent him down after training camp, but they had to in order to kind of juggle the the salary cap a little bit. That really was the turned out to be the reason, and I don't think that there's a chance in Hades. I did that for you, Ryan. That's the workaround. Uh, yes. <laughs> I don't think there is that um, he gets sent back down. I, I really don't. I think he's here to stay. And, uh, you know, I do I think he's going to come in here and, and light the world on fire? No. But do I think that he's going to be a reliable player that you can play, top power play, that you can put on the top, put in the top six? Hades, yes. Yeah. <laughs> H-E double hockey sticks, yes. Oh. Like that yeah, one, right? I like that. Yeah. Okay. Um, so so yeah, and, and and that's another thing. You know, you talked about like Bunneman, for example, and Twarinsky, who made the team out of camp. But those guys are third, fourth line guys. And and they were gonna always play that third, fourth line role, whether they're in the AHL or they're in the NHL. Joel Farabee's not. He's gotta play more minutes than that. He's gotta play more of a scoring role. And he's already on one of the top two lines mm-hmm. on the Flyers. I, I don't see it. I don't see him coming down off that. I just don't. And that's you know that's got to be something when you look at the Flyers week last week. Yeah, they you know, um, and when I say the week, the week since we've spoken uh, here on six ten ESPN, uh, they went one one and one. Um, so it was just kind of an okay week because the 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 one win. Was a, a nice win, you know. It wasn't the prettiest of games, but it was a nice win against New Jersey. The one loss was a disaster. Was just maybe the ugliest game, certainly ugliest game this year, but one of the, one ugliest, of the ugliest that they've had in, in, a in while. years. And there have been some Bad really ones. awful yeah. performances the last. Few yeah, years. so that one was terrible in Pittsburgh. Um, and then uh, the overtime loss or shootout loss was. Um, the game Saturday against Toronto, which was actually an entertaining game. The Flyers looked bad for the first 14 minutes of the of the game, and then for the next um, 51, because it went through overtime, they were the dominant team and they were the better team I than thought. Toronto. And and so it was it was a it was a fun game. It went 11 rounds in the shootout. The two teams combined to go three for 22. So that's that's fun, right? That's yep. a great idea to, uh, to end a hockey game. That's a great way to end a sport, right? Three for 22 what? in the shootout. I, all right, go ahead. The only thing that's the Let's, only, the only thing that's you, worse you is pen, the only thing that's worse is penalty kicks um, in soccer. Anyway, uh, I'm I'm proud of you for getting that uh, the soccer shot in. Good job. Yeah, it's good, right? Well, I I can't think of anything worse than those two things in in sports to decide a game to decide a game to decide a game. There are bad rules. Go ahead. You got a bad rule, Ryan? Oh no, I just meant watching soccer is pretty bad too. <laughs> 
Uh, <clears throat> Russ, what other podcasts do you host for Crossing Broadcast? I'm just gonna, one. I'm going to go. Uh, anyway, uh, anyway, the, the the point is, is that it was a good game, and so it was an okay week for the team. wasn't the greatest week, uh, wasn't the worst week. Uh, started off bad and got uh, got a little bit better as the week went on. I thought it was kind of a you know a couple steps forward, um, but. Uh, there, are, there are some good things to talk about from this weekend, but there are also some concerning things to talk about from this weekend. Oh, so where do you want to? Where I do you want to go? We have we have a few minutes here before we have to take a commercial break. And if anyone wants to check in and, and talk about anything Flyers related, eight 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 seven two eight ninety nine forty one is the number. Um, w- w- do you want to go positive first, or do you want to go negatives? Do we want to start positelphian or negadelphian? Well, Ryan over there is saying. Negadelphian. Nah, but why, why don't we save that? I think we should gonna, go Positelphian because we're going to lead into uh, leading to into the, Farabee. To the yeah, and then we'll do Negadelphian on the back half. Okay. Pa- okay. Let's go with Positelphian. Something that that I think has has gone pretty well. Go ahead. The special teams look a lot better this year. Much. And it's it's not even close. And I said this over on the Press Row Show, which if if during Flyers press home games, Row Show, Press Row Show. Yeah. If you don't watch the Press Row Show uh, pregame. First and second intermission over on the Crossing Broad Facebook page or on Twitter at Crossing Broad at Ansan Philly at Joy Broad or on Twitch at Joy Broad. I don't know what you're doing, but we talked about this. And, and the one thing that I think we said uh, around the Toronto game was there have been a lot of fans. And I, I like to I like to try to get the feeling of the fans on Twitter and also on Facebook. And I, obviously the Facebook people trend older and, and the Twitter people trend younger. The Facebook people seem to be the most upset with the additions of uh, Mike Yo and, and Michelle Terrian in the offseason, wasn't so much of a of an anti-Yo sentiment as much as it was a Michelle Terrian thing. And I think the main reason for that, you know, P.K. Subban became available, and a lot of people just kind of jumped to the conclusion of, oh, well, Terrian didn't have a good relationship with P.K. Subban, and that prevented the Flyers from going out and getting some potential top-end talent, which uh, Subban has uh, not exactly been spectacular this season. Um and, and that an assistant coach is the reason that you couldn't go and get involved in that sweepstakes. I, I would say that this is kind of showing why having two former head coaches have a specific role as, a, as an assistant is so big. Because now they have the macro concept understanding of what it's like to run an NHL team, but they also then can take what they need to do and hone in on the micro. And in, in their cases, penalty kill and power play, and then working with the forwards and with the defensemen, I, I think you're starting to see why having an experienced coaching staff like this ends up paying off. Matters. So one of the things when when I was um, in my early years um, covering covering the NHL, uh, I remember talking to John Stevens once, and John Stevens says, you know when you know when you have a good team, you have a good team when you can add up your power play percentage. And your penalty kill percentage, and it's at 110 or better, is that's when you're a really, really good team. Flyers currently, their power play clicking at 23.5%, which is eighth in the NHL. Pretty good. Mm-hmm. The penalty kill is killing off at 82.5%, which is uh, 12th in the NHL, so top half. Right? It's not bad. Mm-hmm. Add the two together, and what do you get? You get 106. Pretty close to that 110, which yep. is really, and, and he's not wrong. Like if you look at the best teams year in and year out in the league, 
their specialty teams is 110 or better. Yeah. The, the teams that we're talking teams that win the Stanley Cup, teams that are competing for the Stanley Cup, 110 or better. Flyers are 106 right now. They were not and even, and they're still trying to find their footing. And they weren't even close to that last year. They they couldn't break a hundred last year. Yep. Okay, that's how bad they were last year. So the fact that they're at one hundred six now, combined, tells you that they're doing something right there. Yep. And, and the best part about the power play, and I know I know a lot of the writers were talking about, oh, Giroux's back on the left now. That's where he belongs, and that's why it's going to be so good. I'll tell you that the power play is different all the time. The Flyers keep you guessing. They have multiple looks on the power play, and they trot out multiple looks with the same players, but multiple setups. Sometimes Drew is still on the right. Sometimes he's on the left. Sometimes it runs through Drew. Sometimes it runs through the point. Sometimes it runs through down low from behind the net. Sometimes Voracek is running it, and you don't know where it's coming from. And I think that that's one of the reasons why teams have had a hard time stopping the Flyers' power play right now this season. And I, I credit Michelle Tarion with that. I think he's done a nice job with that power play. So, I mean, yeah, I, 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 I think when you look at it, Russ, the specialty teams is a huge part of what makes teams successful. And right now the Flyers, they have a, they have a top 10 combined specialty teams in the NHL. It's amazing the difference that a year makes. And I know that a lot of times people look at where they're at in the standings right now, look at their record over the last few years, and you say, all right, the, the team hasn't gotten that much better. The constant thing after any loss or even in the uh, the loss that they had in the shootout against Toronto was, why am I wasting this? Why am I wasting my time with the same old Flyers? And it's, we keep coming back to it's not the same team. Right. The results and the record right now might indicate such, but when you look at the underlying numbers, you realize that that's not where we're at. You know, th- this team is markedly different and the specialty or the special teams, as you pointed out, like they're almost playing at that elite level. They're playing at that contending level. You have to also remember that the way that this team started the season playing in Europe and then going out on a West Coast swing, that's a hard way to start your season. Yeah. There, there is no way. And I, I think we talked about this last week or the week before, but like there is no way to to get a good night's sleep when you're on that kind of a trip. And you talk about the impact that the lock, the last the lack of sleep has on a professional athlete and the lack of ability to recover I think the Flyers are in pretty good shape for all things considered with how the season started. Yeah. I'll tell you another thing that's that I looked at uh, almost positively, and we'll talk about it uh, after we uh, talk to Joel Farabee in a couple minutes. But Ivan Provorov, I think, Here we go. has played closer to, not quite there yet, but closer to his 2017 level, to 17-18 season level than he did a year ago. Okay. What do you think about that? I think you're right. Okay. Well, we'll talk about that after we talk with Joel Farabee, who will come up right after the break. If you want to uh, jump on the phone, 888-728-9941 is the number. It's a way to reach us. You're listening to Snow the Goalie Radio here on 610 ESPN. And we are back on Snow the Goalie Radio, the only Flyers show on Philadelphia Radio. You like that? The only Flyers specific show same thing on philadelphia because there are radio shows that discuss the flyers but are we there? are we are the are only there? specific flyer specific show we listen to the people we offer this as an option it's <laughs> the go-to option for all flyers fans and most excitingly the guy who i think every philadelphia flyers fan has been the most excited to see he's the guy that blows up our feed 
when we're doing the Press Row show, the one that everybody wants to know about. That's Joel Farabee, who joins us now on Snow the Goalie Radio on 610 ESPN, Philadelphia. Hey, Joel. How's it going? Oh, it's going great. Thanks for uh, taking the time to hop on with us here this afternoon. Yeah, thanks for having me. Uh, so this weekend was a big weekend for you. Uh, you are able to get that first NHL goal. Um, can you take take us through it a little bit, what it was like there in Jersey? I mean, it was it was kind of a clutch spot, right? I mean, team's down a goal late in the third – well, not late, but, you know, eight minutes ago in the third period, um, getting getting close to the nitty-gritty time. And, uh, you know, you came up big and were able to tie it, and then the team was able to, you know, win it in uh, in the shootout. Uh, just take us through the goal and what it was like and, and, and you know, what, what the experience was for you to finally finally get number one. Yeah, I think it was definitely a really cool experience and something, you know, I've always dreamed about. And it was, you know, super nice to get the monkey off my back. But, um, you know, earlier in the game, I was actually on the ice when the Devils, you know, scored to go ahead. So I was kind of, we were kind of, we were dash one at that point. So we were kind of, you know, kind of pressing hard to get a, you know, a goal back. So I think, you know, just, just playing really hard with, you know, I was with Raph and Kevin Hayes and we were, we were kind of playing. We were playing really well up until that point, and um, you know there was there was no surprise that we ended up getting the goal there. So it was uh, you know definitely a result of you know good team play. You know it's it's interesting. You scored the goal. I don't think uh, Kevin Hayes was on the ice for that goal. He was he was the guy who was offsides in both the other instances where you had a chance to score your first NHL goal and kind of had it taken off the board. Did you did you did you have you know give him a give him a hard time about that at all and, and say see need to keep you on the bench when I and I could score? Uh, yeah, I mean we've definitely had conversations, you know, kind of just <laughs> joking about it. Uh, you know, he, he's such a good guy. It was, it was actually we, we laughed about it right after the Chicago game when everything <laughs> happened. We thought it was pretty funny, but um, no, yeah, I knew when that one went in there was there was going to be no issues. <laughs> all right, so it's Kevin's fault that you uh, were robbed of at least one other goal. I want to know, what was the frustration like? Uh, was it causing a riff with you two in the locker room uh, to know that on multiple occasions, the entire NHL's Twitter sphere was blowing up, everybody congratulating you on a goal that ended up coming back and it was his fault? How did that feel? Did he buy you dinner at least? I feel like that's at least the, the least he could do. No, he, uh, he, actually, he actually made a funny joke. He, he said that... Um, he didn't want that one to be my first anyways because it was kind of a meaningless goal because it wasn't like a game winner or anything. So he said, you're, you're going to want your uh, your first one to be a game winner or a tying goal. So it actually ended up happening, which was pretty cool and what we thought was funny. But no, I, I'll have to take him up on the dinner. I, he hasn't bought me dinner yet, but you know, hopefully soon. Yeah, I think, it, I think it works the other way around, though, doesn't it? Don't the rookies have to buy dinner for the veterans before the veterans have to buy dinner for the rookies? In fairness, the vet <laughs> just signed a very large deal. I think he can afford to, uh, to buy the young man some dinner. Uh Anyway, <laughs> uh, yeah, in the in the two days since or three days since that first goal, um, you've gotten moved onto a line now with the captain Claude Giroux, um, and you, you know, and you're you're getting first power play minutes. Um, you know, for a guy who didn't really you know didn't start the season with the team, um, to to really kind of elevate yourself to the to that level so quickly. Um, do you surprise yourself with even that, or or are you the kind of guy who's like, you know what, that's my goal, that's where I'm getting to, and I'm just going to get there? Yeah, I mean, honestly, if you know, you asked me, I, I would have thought if I made the team this year, I was going to be playing third line, probably no power play, no penalty kill. So just to even have the opportunities that I'm having now has been really cool. And, um, yeah, I mean, I, obviously I can't complain. It's been an 
been kind of a roller coaster so far. I mean, getting cut and stuff like that. But, you know, I, I think as a player, I'm always someone that that's trying to, you know, achieve more. So, you know, if I get put on the third line, like I want to make the second line, I want to keep getting better and better every day. And I think that mentality just kind of helped me when I went down in the AHL just to get right back up here. So I think, you know, just relying on teammates and stuff like that to, you know, help you through your hard times. And then, you know, obviously they'll be there for your successes has been, has been really cool. And it's been a great experience so far. There are players who daydream about having the opportunity to make it to the NHL level. Uh, what does it feel like? I mean, in, in your wildest imagination, could you have imagined a scenario? I know that you wanted to make the team, but could you have ever imagined a scenario where seven games in, you were going to be playing with the team's captain, a guy who's going to go into not only the Flyers Hall of Fame, but probably the the NHL Hall of Fame and Claude Giroux. Was there any any daydream that you could have even come up with that would have matched what it must have been like to to go on the ice and play on the same line with a guy who many will consider one of the best flyers of all time and to yeah, do it, and to I, do I it mean, at 19 years old yeah i mean i when i i think i got put on a line with him in training camp and even just like going out for a practice with him it was so cool i was just kind of just like standing in awe of him and at the end of the day i was playing with him so um you know it's been an unbelievable experience and he's such a great leader I mean, it's so easy to see, like the stuff you see through the media and stuff is, is exactly what he is. He's just a great leader. He's a, he's a great guy. He's really helped me. You know, obviously I'm, I'm one of the young guys, but you know, he, ta- he takes a lot of his time to talk to me and, you know, you know, whether it's on the ice or off the ice, he's just such a great guy. And, you know, he's someone I definitely look up to. Is there some way that you can quantify what that leadership looks like? Because I know that every once in a while you get somebody in the media who tries to run with a narrative that because he's not the most fiery guy on the ice or he's not the most vocally or outspoken player, that that has to mean that he can't be a good leader. What is it about Claude Giroux as a leader in that locker room? Uh, what is the thing that kind of unites the, the group around him? Because we always hear that he's a good leader, but not everybody sees it in the way that I, I guess most people would expect a, a good leader to look just by being so demonstrative on the ice. Yeah, I mean, he, he's just, I mean, you just know he's going to bring it every time he's on the ice at the rink. So I think, you know, it's kind of hard to explain when, when you're not, you know, in the room and stuff like that. And I don't think there's one one instance I could give you that would, you know, explain it. But you just know he, he's bringing 110% every time. And, you know, as a leader, he, he demands it back. So if, you, if you're not playing well or, you know, you're making mistakes, like he's going to be the first guy you'll hear it from. And I think, you know, as a young guy and even I know a lot of the older guys, they, they respect that. So, um, you know, he demands the best from everyone and, and you know he's going to give it right back. Um, now, we, you know, we, we know you're uh, from Cicero, New York, just north of Syracuse. Um, and our producer, Ryan, is, is a big fan of the area. Uh, he's fr- from up there. So, uh, but he, so he wanted me to make sure I got that on the air. But you grew up a Philadelphia sports fan because your dad's from Philly, right? Correct, yeah. So, and your favorite Philly was Chase Utley? Absolutely, yeah. My favorite baseball player of all time. Yeah, that's pretty. Co- that's pretty cool. As a matter of fact, I mean, I think I've seen a couple pictures online of you when you played baseball. You wore twenty six, right? Oh yeah, yeah. Through like little league and stuff, I was always twenty six. That's pretty cool. That's pretty cool. Uh, so, so it's it's kind of neat to actually be in town, you know, be able to go to go to Phillies games, you know, when you're here in the summer, and you know, have you had a chance to do, you know, be down there or go over to Citizens Bank or maybe even go over to the link for an Eagles game yet this year? Um, yeah, I, I went to a, um, I went to a Phillies game probably in the, uh, so I trained here in the summer. So I, I, I went to one with, um, 
uh, my brother and my parents and uh, we went and it, it was really special. And yeah, I mean, I, I think kind of just, you know, the family I was born into, I was always a Philly sports fan. I watched the Phillies, you know, all the time. It was like the only baseball team I ever watched. And my dad was a diehard Flyers fan. So just for it all to work out, even like through like the draft and stuff and, you know, knowing that Philly could be an option, it was such a, such a weird kind of crazy dream that kind of came true. So uh, my dad's pretty jacked up. He loves it, so it's been really good. Now, I, I, I know it's still early yet, and maybe you could tell me, you could say, Anthony, this is taboo. Can't can't discuss this yet because you've still only been here seven games, and you still have your, you still have your uh, training camp number that you're wearing, number 49. But you were always 28, and we know that's G's number. Have you thought about where you'll go if, if they say to you you can take a more permanent number that's not 49? Honestly, I have I haven't really thought about it. I I don't I know um, I, I'm not really sure what numbers are even available. I, I know the Flyers organization as a whole kind of tends to like guys who go lower with their numbers. Yeah, you know, obviously there's a couple guys that have high numbers, but I know they like guys with low numbers. Um, so honestly, I haven't really thought about it. I think um, you know if I get the chance to pick my own number, I think I'll probably decide when that time comes. But as of right now, I, I have nothing to give you right now. That's, that's totally fair. <laughs> and we're the first two people you're going to contact with that exclusive. I'm guessing. <laughs> all right, awesome. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> we appreciate that. Thanks. Uh, all right, now we like to do a, a little you know stuff whenever we have guys on the show. Uh, we'd like to get away from hockey a little bit. Obviously, everybody wants to talk hockey, but we want to talk about when people get to know you as a person. Um, so. So outside of of you know the time that you spend training for hockey or playing hockey, like what are what are some of the hobbies? What are some things that you like to do that has nothing to do with you know getting on skates? Um, yeah, I mean, I, I think you know when I'm when I'm home in the summers and stuff, I spend a lot of time with my brothers. So we we usually go golfing or um, you know we're, we're really into carp fishing too. So that, that's a big thing. Being um being from upstate New York, we 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 love carp fishing. So. Um, yeah, usually when I'm home, if I'm not working out or skating, I'm either golfing or carp fishing. That's kind of what I tend to do. You have a good handicap? No. (laughs) Um, but as long as I beat my brothers, I'll be happy. (laughs) That's cool. Now, I guess the one thing that Anthony and I always argue about, and I think there's only one right answer to this. Uh, nobody has supported me on it yet, so and you might be the first might one be the because, first, because of your age, Joel. I'm you not, might be the first one. I'm not gonna I'm not gonna hold my my breath on this one. But you're stranded on a desert island, you have a TV, and you have one hockey movie that you can watch the rest of your life. You only get one. It has to be one that entertains you. It has to be one that you can go back to. So obviously, it has to be probably quotable. What hockey movie do you live with for the rest of your life? I mean, yeah, I think there is only one right answer, honestly. I mean, it's kind of cliche, but I guess Miracle. I, I guess that's the most quotable movie. And I don't believe you. Know, I, I, I don't believe you. No, well, go ahead. Go ahead, go ahead Joel. Keep going. Go that's fine. My, my, only, my only response would be you said quotable movie, and I have to enjoy it. So, I mean, okay. it's, the, it's the U.S. beating Russia, so that's pretty cool. Right, and, I, right. Said, and I, told, I told these guys, I said, you know, normally, now normally our debate is between Slapshot, which you know for me is the all-timer, but I'm a little bit older than you. And for Russ, who's closer to your age, he believes in uh, Goon. And so, but I said you're going to pick Miracle because you played for Team USA, and so therefore you have that a little bit more, you know, of a, of a of a of a relationship kind of with that kind of story, right? 
Yeah, absolutely. And you said quotable. So, I mean, Miracle is probably the most quotable movie of all time. Of course. So. Of course. Because of, the, because of the speech in the locker room. Of course. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. Now, if, but, but if you had to choose, if we took Miracle out, because this is where Russ and I fight, if we had to pick between, between Slapshot and Goon, which one did you like better? I'm, I think I'm going to have to go with Slapshot. Just I'm done. Because I'm it's out. I love you. I'm I love it. I'm I love it. I mean, I'm I, gone. I think Goon. Like Goon's a comedy, so it's kind of like kind of fake. I mean, it's pretty <laughs> fake. Like that, uh, that obviously would never happen in today's day and age. Where, where Slapshot, obviously, it's, it's funny, but it's like more real. I guess it you is. I mean? It is more based in reality. That's what I keep telling him. That's why it makes it a better movie. Uh, you're, 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 you've made my. I day, have so Joel. many quotes going through my head from Goon, but none, all of them would get me kicked off the air. So I have to keep them to myself. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, man. Well, Joel, hey, listen, we really appreciate you taking a few minutes to chat with us here tonight. Uh, Good luck to you, and we'll see you down at the rink on Tuesday. Absolutely. Thanks for having me. All right. Thanks a lot, man. Thanks so much for your time. That's Joel Farabee of the Flyers. It doesn't get much better. Nice, nice kid. Personable. Bad choice on movie. It's okay. (laughs) How can you say it's a bad choice? Miracle's Miracles a good movie. movie. I would put it second behind, behind Slapshot for hockey movies. It's number two for me. I mean, easily. I wouldn't even put Goon top five. Wow. I'd probably go Mystery Alaska three. That's fun. That That's a sounds fun movie. like that sounds like a crappy uh, History Channel show. Mystery Alaska. Mystery Alaska. Mystery Is that Alaska? where they're gonna like go look for a buried treasure, like on the Curse of Oak Island? Young Blood. Seven. You're not you're... seven pieces of gold in Alaska. Could it be? I would put Youngblood ahead of that. I like Youngblood. Yeah, Swayze in it. Come yeah, Youngblood, Young Blood, Mystery Alaska are pretty close. I could, I could go 3-4 with those two. No. I, could, I could flip those no. two. No. Mighty Ducks 5. <laughs> oh, D2. D2 over the original. I all the Mighty Ducks. D2 has to go over the original. You can make the argument for D3, the knuckle puck. <laughs> I, you know, it's one thing for you to go after my hockey takes. It's another for you to say that Goon's not in the top five. Wait, Russ, here's the point. Okay, we've now asked this question. We've asked this question to how many different professional hockey folk? I think we're up to eight now, nine. Okay, not one of them agrees with you. Not one. That means that we've only talked to eight or nine people who have a bad opinion. (laughs) Somebody's eventually going to have to have the right opinion. No, it's okay. I, I will take it. It's fine. We even asked two fighters. We did. We asked Todd the Fedork more, and Riley Cote. I'm more disappointed in both and of them. And neither one of them picked Goon. I don't know. I don't know what to tell you. <laughs> All right, uh, so Russ. I think after the break, we need to get into... I think we probably have a couple other Posadelphia things. There are a couple... Well, neg- no, I, we, 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 have, we have a few minutes before okay. the next break. We have four minutes before Let's the next the po- break. Let's get the... Well, do we, I do we talk do some Negadelphia? What do I want to talk do? Provorov first, okay. and then we'll get into some of the negatives, okay? okay. So Ivan Provorov... Um, Really not quite back to what he where he was when we were sitting there saying, "Oh yeah, you know this guy's going to be within within five years he's going to be in the Nars Trophy conversation, right?" Not quite back to that level yet, but he fell so far off that pace last year. To see him where he is now, it's got to be encouraging because he's he's headed back toward that. He's not quite there yet, but he's headed back toward that. And one of the things is is he's now on the top power play unit which he wasn't before and he's not a great power play point person but they took they replaced Gostas Bear with him because he gets Provorov gets shots on goal. He doesn't have the hardest shot. But he's really good at creating lanes so that he could get shots on goal. 
And that's how you score. You know, yeah, it's nice to have ghosts, you know, slap shot 100, and, 100 miles an hour from the point, you know, but how many times does it actually get on net? It, it hits the glass, it, you know, it it misses. Scares a child the in board. the sixth yeah, row. Yeah. Exactly. You know, Provorov might only be shooting 75 miles an hour, but he puts the puck on net. And if the goalie doesn't handle it correctly or it hits a body in front, like the power play goal that he scored yep. against Toronto on Saturday night. It's going to go in, or it could rebound over to Van Riemsdyk for a plenty, punch. In or, plenty of big bodies there's screening a lot, the goalie up in front. There's a lot that can happen sure. when you get it on goal, and that's, I think, the difference between Provorov and Gossespierre and why it works for Provorov. In a skills competition, you would want Shane Gossespierre shot. 100%. 100%. But, but in the practical sense of, yes. of, of the power play, you, you want Provorov's shot. Right. Plus, he, plus he roves, uh, he's a rover on the blue line. Yeah. Um, and that was something when I asked uh, Vino that at the press conference on Saturday night, he said that that's something that he really likes about him is the way he moves on the blue line. Now, we know Gosses Bear is great at keeping the puck in. Like when the puck is being dumped out, he's able to, he has this innate ability to knock it down and keep it in and keep the play alive. But the difference between him and Provorov is Provorov tends to be in the right place, whereas Gosses Bear's got to make a great play to keep it in, right? I it's mean, almost like the goalie that has to dive. Yes. Right. Versus that's, that's, ha- that's versus the difference. Ha- versus having his his angles all right. Correct. Correct. I I think that maybe the most encouraging thing out of out of Provorov is you know there was the talk about could the holdout in the offseason go in through training camp? Could it go into the regular season? And the one thing that you kept hearing was that much like another guy named Ivan, who hails from Russia, he was out training in the Siberian mountains carrying trees on his back, prepping, getting ready. And, you know, I, I have to say, I think it's it's really encouraging. Because you have to remember, Ivan Drago was a great, a great boxer. One of the greatest fictional boxers of all time. If Ivan Provorov... Russ, can, re- Russ can really par- took a can, path can to get to this, didn't he? his off-season <laughs> training regimen and become that level of a defenseman, it'll be great. You really went, you took the an elaborate route to, to get an Ivan Drago right on this corner, standing in at six foot one inches tall. All right, Bruce Buffer. No, Michael Buffer. No, Bruce Buff- no, Michael Buffer was the boxer, but was the boxing announcer. Yes, Bruce Buffer is the UFC. Yes, there's a distinct difference in their voice, but it's the same name. Yeah, and who's the current? I was going for the who's, Michael Buffer because it's, because he was the boxing who's announcer. Who's current? Bruce Buffer. Okay, did Ivan Drago fight in UFC? No, it's okay to be wrong. Ryan, weigh in on this. Which one makes more sense for a boxing reference? I'll just go with Anthony side just because I love knocking you down today. <laughs> I'm a, you, I got a new nickname for you. It's Laffy Taffy because no matter what it is, you always have to stretch it out. I like it. <laughs> That's actually pretty good. Laffy Taffy. Russ That's is Laffy good. Taffy. When we come back, we'll start looking at some of the negatives in, with the Philadelphia Flyers. We have about 20 minutes left in the program, and we'll get to all that. And if you want to join in and set, talk about anything Philadelphia Flyers related, 888-728-9941 is the number. Give us a call. You're listening to Snow the Goalie Radio here on 610. ESPN. And we are back on Snow the Goalie Radio here on 610 ESPN Philadelphia. Well, before we move on to Positadelphia and Negadelphia with the Philadelphia Flyers, we should talk about our friends over at FanDuel Sportsbook. They offer a $500 risk-free bet to new users. While that risk-free bet is an amazing deal, it's just the beginning, they have tons of other promos happening all the time. You can find odds boosts. We talked about bet insurance plenty of times when... Your team might lose by a couple of points. They'll usually refund you credit uh, for your account. So if it was a close one, if you took a shot on a team, 
It's always nice to have a little bit of bet insurance. They have special bonuses and more. Plus, the new cash out feature makes it easy to take your winnings early. As the game goes on, you get updated offers uh, to cash out your bet before the game ends. So let's say you took a long shot. They're winning. They're two periods through a, a, a massive upset in the NHL. You're up and cash out. Even if you don't think that they can finish it off, cash out. Uh, and, that, and that's always a nice thing. So if you have a feeling your team's about to blow the lead, cash out, take your winnings right there and then. They have uh, tons of sports to choose from. I, uh, I like to dabble occasionally in multi-sports parlays, which uh, I believe Bob Wankel most recently said, uh, I could just go burn a lottery ticket outside of a Wawa if I want to do that. But I have fun with it. I think it's enjoyable. Anyway, Anthony, I think you have a game that you uh, wanted people to to take a look at. Yeah. Hit, by the way, hit my game again last week. Now 3-1 and one since I've uh, been giving picks here on the air. Um, Anthony Sanfilippo, 3-1 and one against the spread. 3-1 and one against the spread. I'll give you a game again tomorrow night. I always like to do the Tuesday night game just for our listeners who might not listen, hear this until the podcast uh, is posted uh, late Monday night, early Tuesday morning. Um, I'm going to give you a game between the uh, Arizona Coyotes and the Calgary Flames. The Flames are coming off of a road trip where they had to play Tuesday, Thursday, uh, Saturday, Sunday, four games in, in six days on the road, have one off day, uh, to, which is today, and they fly back to Calgary from Washington, so all the way back home across the country, Woof. and then have a pretty good Arizona team coming in. Now, Arizona, granted, they're playing tonight in Edmonton, so it's a back-to-back for them. But the trip from Edmonton to Calgary, far shorter than Washington to to Calgary. I'll take the Coyotes tomorrow night on the road in Calgary against the Flames. That's my pick. Well done out of you. So go check them out over at FanDuel.com slash Sportsbook. Use the promo code STG, as in snow the goalie, at FanDuel.com slash Sportsbook, STG. And take advantage of that $500 risk-free bet to new users. Just down, download the app anywhere in New Jersey or Pennsylvania and uh, sign up with that promo code STG. If you lose FanDuel Sportsbook, we'll give you a refund and site credit of up to 500 bucks. Download that app now at FanDuel.com Sportsbook. First online wager only. Refund issued as site credit. Site credit expires after 14 days. Go to Sportsbook.FanDuel.com for full terms. Must be 21 or older and present in New Jersey or Pennsylvania. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. So the Flyers locker room, I think, was a pretty positive place overall, despite the shootout loss. There were some pretty funny anecdotes that came out. Ivan Provorov is one that we talked to. Yeah. Uh, it was after the cameras went away. I think you had asked him about when's the last time you took a shot in a shootout, and he said in juniors. And, and he remembered it because he scored. <laughs> yeah. So there, were, there was like a kind of fun energy about the team. They were disappointed that they didn't get the other point. Um, but I think just because of, of how long it was, what, an 11-round shootout, Yeah. the guys just kind of. Well, my favorite my favorite thing was when the question was asked of Vino about you know does he plan it out that long, and he just looked at us and he acted like he had a, a pair of dice in his hand and he was just rolling them on the table. Yep. And he said that's the, that's what they do. Like they pick like their first four or five, and then yep. from there it's like <laughs> whoever next guy. Because it should be done by then. You're prof- <laughs> your professional hockey players. Three put, for twenty two. Put the biscuit in the basket. Three for twenty. Well, first of all, they are the worst shootout team of all time. Yeah. Franchise. Yeah. I, if you go back from oh five oh six when the shootout came into the league. The Flyers are easily the, have the worst shootout record of any team in the NHL, and it's not even. And it close. feels like they always end up in it a lot by the end of the year. Yeah, it's not like they're just a, oh, you know, we end up in two, three shootouts a year and, and just happen to lose them all. They well, well, they're in they're in fewer since since the league went to a three on three five minute overtime. There have been fewer shootouts, so that's a, that's a benefit. Um, but even still, when the Flyers go to a shootout, they often lose. So the fact that they won one and lost one. Um, is actually you know better than their franchise's career statistics in, in that category. So 
I think maybe the the one thing that seems a little bit odd in the locker room afterwards yeah. was there was a player who I've always found in the last year plus of, of being around the team with home games and occasionally at practices. Jake Voracek to me is usually a guy who's, uh, he tends to, to have fun. There's sometimes he can be a bit reserved, but like you still kind of get some nice answers out of him. Sometimes a little bit like snarky fun, I would say, like in, in a positive way. Yeah. He seemed. I don't. I don't have a good way to put how he how he appeared, and his body language, everything after the game in the locker room. It, it was. It was a little bit odd. Maybe he was looking for inquirer columnist Mike Sielski. Well, for those who might not have uh, followed along, there was a uh, piece put out by Mike Sielski in the Philadelphia Inquirer where he effectively he said that Elaine Vigneault after a practice had called out Captain Claude Giroux and Jake Voracek, really only listed those two as as the main people that were getting called out, and said that when Vigneault was talking about needing those guys to play at the top of their game, like he said, that Claude Giroux, you're accustomed to, to being one of the best players in the game, and Voracek, you're expecting to be one of your, your top point producers, one of your, your best players he's been for the last few years, yada, 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 that in the midst of that, Jake Voracek was laughing at his locker stall, which... I talked to a bunch of other writers who were down there uh, at practices much more often than we're able to be with, with other other jobs, and they said that that feels like the most out-of-character thing. That doesn't sound like something Jake would have done, and I think maybe even more telling, of all the people who were down there, not one other person ran with this idea yeah. that, that Voracek was laughing with his head coach in the locker room calling him out. So I'll address this. I mean, I you know... I first let me let me say up front that I'm, I am actually a fan of Mike Sielski as a columnist. I think he's actually a very good writer. I, I think he's got good command of the English language. I think he's a he's a very talented guy. Okay, all right. I I rarely agree with his hockey takes. I, I think it's the one sport where I disagree. I I tend to agree with him on the other three sports for the most part, but when it comes to hockey, for some reason he sees things a lot differently than I see things. And when I read that column, I had to sit there and say, all right, first of all, let me let me, let me break it down this way. I, aside from the laughing thing, because I wasn't, like you said, I wasn't there, you weren't there, so it's hard for us to really kind of have a feel for what was going on in that locker room, not having not been there at the time. Um, but to, to, to sit there and call Claude Giroux an uninspiring player, I, I, I don't know what you, what you need to watch out of the guy. I don't know what you need to see out of the guy to say that he's he's that he he's an inspiring player, and that's a big part of why I wanted. I mean, Faraby to, to elaborate on that a little bit because we, I, I haven't heard anyone say that that Giroux is a bad leader. He's not a guy that inspires his teammates. So I, if I look, I've covered his entire career. Would I would I call Claude Giroux a Hall of Fame captain? No, I wouldn't. He's just a, he's a, he's not a bad captain. He's, but he's just—he's not a great captain. He's just a captain. He's a guy, okay. But Claude Giroux is a Hall of Fame player. There's no doubt in my mind that once his career is over, he will end up in the Hockey Hall of Fame in Toronto. There's no doubt. For for the past decade, the only people who've scored more points than him in the NHL are Sidney Crosby and Alex Ovechkin. He belongs in the conversation as among the best players in the league. He's an underrated player. So to have that, to have him called that, 
kind of I, I think it's it's really, really misleading. And when it comes to Voracek, now I, I don't always think that Voracek is a good fit with this lineup as it is, because he needs to he needs to play with other really good players, but at least one who's a two way player because Jake does lack a little bit uh, in the two way game. He's not a great defensive forward. But the way it was described as if saying that these two guys are the you know the reason that the Flyers have not won for the last seven or eight years is ridiculous. And so I asked around, like I you know I talked to some people down there, talked to some people in the locker room who called it BS. They actually said it. I mean, obviously we can't, but they they actually said it. If we do, what does Ryan have to do? Does yeah, he, Ryan. Does, will, does Ryan, Ryan pay the fine? Ryan would go crazy in there. He's, we're you on the be Sitting in the corner, all by yourself, Russ. <laughs> what if I say it in Spanish? <laughs> Negative. No. German. Can't do it. No. Neat. Nine. Nine. Okay. Nine. Okay. Nieto's Russian. That's right. No, he was saying. <laughs> I thought he said Nicht. Anyway, okay. go ahead. Um, but no, they, they literally and and said that you know. It's it's almost like he has a this one person that I spoke to down there. It's almost like this writer has an agenda, does it all the time. And you know, it's hard for me to say that. Um, it's hard for me to say that a writer has an agenda. Like I can't, I don't know. I don't think I don't think Mike is an agenda driven guy. But oh, can I take a shot? It's you say Listen, whatever you want. There, there's there's a very easy thing. It's easy to lob grenades when you don't have to be there for the fallout, and I think that if well, yeah, but he's a col- he's well, a columnist. I get that, and that's and so that's, histo- that's the other that's historically the other part, that's, that's, the, that's the other part that that's I'm getting what columnists to. Columnists do. The Inquirer has had an issue with subscriptions. They've been trying to go digital. I don't know how that's working for them. I'm assuming it's not going very well. If I remember correctly, the last time the Inquirer put out any kind of a report, it was that they were they were woefully behind what they had hoped to have found. In digital online subscriptions. What did Mike Sielski's article do? Drove traffic to the Inquirer's site. Yes. And so now unless the Philadelphia Inquirer, which I I still think has weight behind it, I still think it's a place that you should be able to go and, and get good news, right? It's a respected name nationally as a, as a place to go for news. Unless they're going to morph into hot take artists in an effort to try to get digital subscriptions and to get clicks... Well, this is interesting. Uh, literally, as we're having this conversation, okay, Sam Carcidi from the Enquirer, Mike's colleague, posts a quote from Jake Voracek on Twitter, and he does it over two tweets. Okay, here's Jake's quote. He was asked if he gets a bad rap for his defensive play, and Voracek says, "You can't change people's mind very often. It's like a bowling ball; it just rolls and rolls. It doesn't have to happen on a nightly basis. It can't. It can just happen once every ten games. But you just get that picture. That's just the way it is." I've been focusing on my defense this year. I think I've been pretty solid in that, and I still get bleep for playing bleepy defense. I just have to focus on myself and do it in games. Hmm. Interesting, right? Hmm. So, like he th- he believes he's been playing better defensively, and that we all sit there and and give him a hard time about it. Now, I, look, I I don't think Voracek is as bad as people make him out to be. I do think that he would be a better fit on other teams than he would be on the Flyers. But I also don't sit here and say they haven't been successful because of Giroux and Voracek. Yeah. Also, I would like to add that in that same availability, although the coach did bring up Giroux and Voracek as guys who need to 
lead the way after you, you know, the way he was saying it from what I was told was that he said, you know, team, when the team plays bad for a couple games in a row, like they did against the Islanders and the Penguins, that they need to then um, have their better players play to another level so that the young guys will follow suit and play to that level. And therefore, they that's how you get out of playing poorly. But he also mentioned in that same conversation, Sean Couturier, James Van Riemsdyk. Kevin Hayes. Kevin Hayes. Even mentioned Carter Hart. So when you're talking about six, seven guys, how are you sitting there and interpreting it as he's calling out Giroux and Voracek? Yeah, they've been here longer than anybody else. I go get back, it. Go back over the list again. Giroux, Kev- Voracek, mm-hmm. Couturier, mm-hmm. Hayes, mm-hmm. um, Van Riemsdyk, yep. and Hart. So think about most of those names. At least four of those the names. The leadership group. Four of those names don't get you anything. They get you barely any traffic. Nobody's going to buy into the idea that Sean Couturier is a is a bad player or or somebody who needs to step up his game. And what does that leave you with? That leaves you with the two guys. I get it. With the names I get that the it. casual fan and the non-Flyers fans will recognize and will be interested in going and clicking on. And that, to me, I, I think that's the motivation. I, I truly do. And this is the thing. If you're going to write that column and then not go down and cover the team that night and stand there, mm. I'm sorry. I get that a columnist is different than a than a beat guy. Totally understand it. Yeah, I'll disagree but if, with you there. But if but you that's... have the ability to get the access to go down, yeah. you've got to stand by it. I don't know. I, I don't think so. I mean, because columnists are asked to write about different sports. So, you know, one day he's he's doing the Flyers. One day he's doing the Eagles. One day you can't be everywhere all the time. So if your job is to be in one, with one team one day and one team the next day, one team the day after that, you can't. You, you, what are you going to do? I mean, you can't say, oh, I can't do my column the t- tomorrow because I have to go show my face for the column I wrote today. Let me ask you a question. You, I, I, I if you work in Philadelphia Inquirer and you're a columnist, how much money do you think you're making? Oh, I know how much they make. Do you work another job? No. You and I both work two jobs. Yeah. Right? And we still find time to go down and cover a team. Yes. This is all BS to me. But, but if you but, are right, but if listen you are, to me no, though, no, no, Russ. This actually no, 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 but it, gets me, it gets me mad because here's the, the idea difference is, between you and me. Or between, uh, between you and me and, and those guys. If we write something really negative like that, we're not going to see them again until the next home game. Sure. Right? So they can't see us out. But we will be there. Well, he'll be there again. It might not be until after it dies down a bit, but he'll be there again. Mike writes plenty of hockey stories. He's he's probably, I'll give him this, as far as columnists go in this town, he covers hockey more than any other columnist. So, I mean, feel free to get me. We could talk about I, that. I just, We're going to be on going on crossing fi- broadcast in a minute. If you want to bring this up as a conversation that, piece, that somebody who has to go and maybe write a Phillies piece one day, a Flyers another, a Sixers another, an Eagles another, you can get access to those teams because of the place that you write for. You can easily get access. Yes, and it's not hard to make that drive down. I don't know where he lives, but it, I can't imagine it takes Bucks that County. long to get there. He's in, he's in right? Bucks so, County, Doylestown. So I, I just find I find the the lack of there having to be any kind of. Of of guts and going down and doing it like I, I you can find the time. Hey, we have to wrap this up because we gotta take a break before the start of the crossing broadcast. Go check out the press row show Ugh. Tuesday Thursday night. What Tuesday Thursday night? Go ahead. Over on the the crossing broad Facebook page and over on Twitter, we'll be there uh, pregame first and second intermission. So go follow us over there and on Twitter at Ansid Philly at Joy on Broad. I had I had another one last go ahead stat I wanted to throw out because throw we couldn't get it out at any point towards tonight. I had someone from the team mm-hmm. tell me. That internal tracking of statistics, that all season, Shane Gostisbehere has gotten seven scoring chances. 
all season by their internal count. Seven scoring chances. If there's a wonder why he's not on the top power play unit anymore. They should just put him on the top pair. Thanks to uh, Ryan Lennox for producing this wonderful hour of hockey conversation. We will see you next week on Snow the Goalie. Stay tuned for Crossing Broadcast Radio here on 610 ESPN.